Uh-oh, it looks like we've piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The Hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever meet them. This is not your typical mastermind. The Hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything, joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, this woman is, was making fun of me the whole entire time that that video was on. Um, she kept saying to me, Daddy, the, the hideout has already happened. Didn't it already happen? Why are you going to have the commercial on there? Because of it. she keeps me humble in every sense of the word and gives me so much light and life. Um, and it is my honor, my pleasure to have my one and only daughter, the woman who made me a father, Miss McKenna Cardenas on the show. Welcome. Hi. How are you doing this morning? I'm okay. So why do you give your dad such a hard time all the time? I mean, like, if I was nice to you all the time, then, like, he would, like, keep me in check because mom's really nice about it, but I don't think, like, anyone is actually, like, mean to you. I think that people are. I mean, but you're real. Like, you, you've always been real with me, which is great. I'm going to do this, too. I'm going to take this, and I'm just going to adjust it slightly, and then I'm going to have you talk right into it because everything that you say is so profound and is very, very important. How old are you? I'm 13. 13? Get as close to the mic as you can. Yes. When you're talking, it's going to be weird. Okay. But that way, everyone out there can hear and make sure that your mouth is, like, right in it. Okay. Got it? Got it? That's nice. Okay, that is nice. So... Talk to me, too. A 13 years old, is life easy? Um, I think that, like, as a 13-year-old, I wouldn't say, like, life is super easy, but then, like, in, like, 10 years, I'll be like, oh, I wish I was 13 again. Because, I mean, I think that's what, like, adults tell kids. Where do you get this foresight? Um, I don't know. Like, you're, like, a life coach, kind of. And I've been, like, around you, like, my entire life. And you're always like, enjoy life, McKenna, because everything's awesome. Like the song from like the Lego movie, I think like that would be like your your like um, theme song to like your life. It'd be like everything is awesome. That one, 
that one. So what frustrates you about that, that kind of stuff? Because there was things about my pop, and you knew Campa, who we both love more than, I mean, that guy, that guy was incredible. And there was things about Campa that was, I look at it and the wisdom, but there was times where he frustrated me because he would say like sayings over and over and over again. What are some of those things that frustrate you about your pop? Um, uh, well, at least you don't like make me like sleep thing where like he make you like put like a speaker in your pillow and you had to like listen to like bible verses i don't think you do that to me at least (laughs) that i know of but um i don't know like i guess like i i don't know like i say i've said like like seven times that's okay you can say whatever you want um you're allowed to (laughs) but like i don't know um so what frustrates you at times? Like last night, we got to have a conversation, and I was telling you a couple of things. I, I've, I've learned to ask, you know, am I allowed to interject? And there's some times where you're like, nah. I think, like, sometimes you want to be, like, super inspirational, but I think a lot of the time people, like, they don't want inspiration. They just, like, want someone to listen to them and, like, not respond, but, like, respond, if that makes any sense. What, uh, what type of not respond but responding can you do as a person out there? Because I think that we, a lot of times we go through this, right? As people, right? We're having a conversation and you're telling me a challenge. Maybe I've gone through the challenge and I'm like, I got the answer. But sometimes that's super frustrating. How can a person be better at that communication? I think a lot of the time people like want to hear what, like something that they want to hear. And most of the time when you give like good advice to someone, they like don't want to hear that. Like, the other day, I was talking to one of my friends, and, like, I uh, I think that I give super good relationship advice, even though I've never been in a relationship, because I'm just so good at that. But, like, I think I was spitting some really good points, like, you need to have communication, and you need to, like, talk to them, and that's what, like, builds a good relationship, even though, like, we're in middle school. But, like, just so that you get in the habit of that, and she didn't want to hear that. She wanted to hear that she was right. And I think that, like, that will help you later on in life when you're like, oh, yeah, McKenna told me that I should talk to this person, so maybe I will. But, like, in the moment, it's, like, not what you want to hear. How can you help people to understand that, or is it just that you need to sit back and listen? I think, like, if an event, like, just happened and you're trying to give them, the like, uh, advice in, like, real time, like, talking to them and, like, more listening than talking, like, more support-wise. So, like, I'd rather, like, have my friends support me than, like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. So help us to, to understand, because I think that this, this statement comes out a lot with people is, like, your generation, you are like this. Take us into the mind of a 13-year-old and some of the things that you go through that some people will tell you, that's not that big of a deal, but it's a big deal to you. So I'm not in middle school right now. I was in middle school, and you always give me a hard time. You're like, way back, like when dinosaurs roamed the earth, and you went to middle school. But I was in middle school. I was in eighth grade at a time, but it isn't this time. What are some of the things that you wish that parents knew that you were going through and it would maybe make it a little easier for us to understand you. I think what I've noticed is like a lot of parents don't like the kind of what's the word? Like they don't like it really acknowledge like their kids like mental health. And I've noticed that like a lot, like 
especially like right after COVID, like a lot of people went through a lot of things and their parents kind of just like put brush it away. Like, like you don't feel like that. Like you're 12, whatever your age is, like you, that like you can't be depressed. Like you can't have these emotions. Like that's not like something you can feel like, what do you have to be depressed about or whatever, like, or whatever mental health problem you might have. And I think like in, I don't, I don't know what's, like, influenced it to be more prominent now in time than it was, like, 40 years ago, but I feel like I've noticed that a lot, and it really, like, like, adults just don't really notice it. So when you talk about, say, like, mental health, and uh, you talk about, uh, when, when you were talking about depression and stuff like that, how did you know, or how do you know, if you're out there and you're listening, how do you know if you're going through it? Because really, for me, it wasn't something that was talked about. It wasn't. It wasn't like, you know, oh, wow, are you depressed? It was kind of like you've got a hard situation. You know what? You suck it up and work through it. That's what, that's what we – now, I'm not saying that's right, but that's the way a lot of times for us and for me, that's the way I was raised. So I think a lot of times I go into it like that, whereas you're saying there's a different time, Dad. It's a different time. I'm going through different things. I'm aware of these things. Where, did, how, how did you become so self-aware? Um, I think, like, being self-aware is kind of just being humbled. Like, when someone, like, brings up something, you know? Like, when I give you a hard time, and, like, it, like in your promo video where you're, like, hunched over, like, I don't think you would have noticed that unless I pointed it out. She was pointing out every single thing out there listening. Every single thing on the video, she was like, you're hunched over. Oh, you're saying this. Oh, you're, and you used to, when you would come on stage with me, you would be like, you would be moving your hands too and doing that. And that's what dad does too, right? Yeah. You talk a lot with your hands. Okay. And I thought that was really funny and I still do. <laughs> like when you like get into like your speaking kind of thing, like when you were at Caper, like you would, like, talk with your hands, and then, like, when you got really excited, you'd, like, start yelling. And you wouldn't know that you were yelling, but you were yelling. It was mm. really funny. But, and it's good to be able to have that, that checker. How, um, you know, I think that you're probably one of the most self-aware people that I know. Like, you'll have two days with your friends, and then there's a... There's, like, a day where I just, like, I just need it for myself. What is it called? A McKenna Day. Okay, so explain to us a McKenna Day and take us through this this routine. A McKenna, so, like, if I hang out with my friends for, like, a while, like, I kind of just get sick of them. Like, I get sick of people really easily. Okay. But, like, if I hang out with them for too long, I just need, like, a day for myself where I can, like, go and binge Gilmore Girls and, like, drink my Starbucks and just have my day to myself just because... I don't know, like, sometimes, like, I love my friends, but, like, they, they, like I need a break from them. Sometimes. What's the hard parts about middle school for you, like, right now, and, and the things that you're going through that, you know, again, I want to know this from your perspective, because there's so many parents out there that have a 13-year-old, and everyone told me, oh, when they get 13, it's just going to be bad. This is, what, this is what I hear. This is what the parents talk about. Like, it's just going to be bad. You're going to lose them from 13 to 18, and... Sometimes people get mad at me because I was like, I, I'm, I'm not okay with losing my daughter. Like, I'm not okay with losing her. I'm going to stay. I, I want to stay in contact. I want to stay in her face. And sometimes it frustrates you, right? Yeah. What frustrates you the most in those times when I'm trying to connect with you? Um, I don't know. I think, like, I ha like 
like he, I don't, I don't really get frustrated, but I think like a lot of the time parents like lose, like what you were saying, where they're like, oh, you lose them when you're 13. I think that's just like a lack of communication. Like you try to be in my life like all of the time, and I think that's like, <laughs> like it's good because like I'll appreciate it in the future because you'd be like, oh yeah, my dad like hung out with me all the time, but like. Now it's like, oh, like, like I have an e-bike and I can't ride it by myself yet. But like, so my dad has to follow me and like, I know he likes to like hang out with me and whatever, but I know that as like a 13 year old who's in middle school, like going like biking with your dad isn't really like cool. <laughs> how, how important is being cool at, in eighth grade? I think it's, like, really important. Like, your social status ain't when you're in eighth grade, like, I know it's not, like, now it matters a lot. It won't matter in, like, time. But, like, it's the present. So you need to, like, focus on what's happening now. So now, like, popularity status, like, I think popularity sta- status for, like, me has been important since, like, seventh grade, I think. Because, like, I don't know. Like, I've been friends with everyone, but I've never really been in, like, a popular group of people because, like, people know who I am, and I know who they are, and I have, like, a lot of people that I say hi to in the halls, whether, like, they're sixth grade or seventh grade or eighth grade or whatever. Like, I know them, and then they know me. So it's, like, I'm known of, and people, like, can put a face to me, like, my name, but I don't hang out with, like, the popular people. What do you consider, like, the popular people? I don't know. Like, the popular people, like... Everyone knows them. They're always in some sort of, like, drama, I guess. Like, I, I have a lot of popular friends, and they're all really, really nice, but I've noticed, like, people who aren't necessarily popular, like, in the group, like, they just talk about them bad, I guess. And I'm like, oh, like, I know her. Like, she's really nice. Like, I, I think, like, popular people are, like, kind of misunderstood because, like, in movies they're portrayed as, like, Regina George. When realistically, like, there are, like, most popular people are just really nice. They just, like, people just don't really like them. And I'm like, oh, okay. Why, why, uh, like, what do you wish that parents knew about being 13 or being 12? What do you wish that they knew right now that would help them to be able to communicate with their kids? Um, I think, like, just listening. Like, if something's going on or you notice something's going on, don't, like, brush it off. You need to, like, acknowledge it and, like, not necessarily, like, ask them, like, what's wrong with you, but, like, be, like, is there something going on? And, like, I think you've noticed that where you're, like, oh, there's, like, something up. Why is she, like, all mad? And then you'll talk to me about it. And it's, like, it, it makes you feel a lot better to, like, talk about it with someone who cares than, like, you like someone being annoyed by it and then you feel like a disturbance so what what has what is the thing that you show annoyance at in our relationship that when you walk away you're like i i don't want that to go away you know because there's a there we have a routine when i drive you to school now i ride with you with your e-bike and we're still going to do this for a while because i like riding with you and i mean it's just one of those things like uh e-bikes out there are something for everyone out uh that is listening to the podcast e-bikes are huge in southern california especially in north county um generally kids get them anywhere from 11 to 13 and they're like a motorcycle and a lot of kids at 11 or 13 years old don't know the the ways of the road this is me sounding really old and uh but 
they don't know the the traffic laws. They don't know those things. So they just get out on the bike and and it's a freedom, but they're weaving in and out of traffic. They're going in turn lanes. They're doing these things. And I've only got one daughter and I want to make sure you're good. But when I drop you off from school, it's almost like we have this routine. I'll tell you you're the greatest. And you'll say, I know. And then I'll say, I love you. And you say, I know. Oh, well, you say, who wouldn't? <laughs> and then you get out the car. Sometimes from a parent standpoint, you know, at times, like I know you, I know your personality. I know your, um, your sarcastic kind of sense of humor. And, you know, but sometimes a parent could be like, oh, wow, is it getting through? And so I've never got a chance to ask you this question. What is getting through that I don't know is getting through? You know, whether it be life lessons or things like that. Like not getting through, like I don't understand them or? Well, th- what's getting through that I don't realize is getting through, you know, because sometimes as, as parents, we're really hard on ourselves. We're super hard on ourselves. Like, oh my gosh, does, does she know that I love her? Does she know that she's awesome? Does it even impact her? Should I keep saying it because it seems like it's a broken record and I don't want to be uncool to her? What are some of those things that are valuable to you that sometimes you just kind of brush off, but it really means something? I mean, like, I guess, I know that you, like, care about me. Like, sometimes it gets kind of annoying when you're like, oh, we care about you because, like, my e-bike. Because, like, like, why can't I go by myself and be like, oh, well, we care about you. Like, I think that hearing from your parents that, like, you love that, like, they love you, and, like, they care about you, and they, like, they don't under, or, like, they don't understand what you're going through, but they'll listen anyway, like, I think those are, like, really important things that, like, aren't, like, talked about a lot, I guess, like. How, how important is it to hear that you're loved every single day? Um, I think that, like, I've not, like, I've seen some people, like, who, like, you know that their parents, like, don't seem like they care about them, I guess, or, like, they don't know that, um, and it really affects them, like, when, like, as a person, like, they could be, like, mean to someone, or they can, like, a lot of the time, like, people, like, people like that, like, they, they'll be, like, super mean, and they'll, like, just have like this mentality where like you when they walk in a room like you know that they're mad and they're almost like scary and but the other time like the other half of the time like people are just so nice because they don't want like other people feeling the way they do so like they make sure that like everyone in their life like knows that they love them how have you been able to have that insight like one of my one of my times when there's a couple I mean I brag about you all the time but two two majors one we were in the bathroom and you're getting ready for school and you had told me that a girl was really mean to you this was in like second grade second or third grade or whatever it was and then the I was and I was just you know and I told you I want you to be nice to them whatever it is and then you came back the next day and we were in the bathroom you're getting ready for school and you said daddy that girl that I said was being mean to me I, um, I really feel bad for her and I want to pray for her. And I was like, why? And she, you said, I found out why she was being mean to me. And I was like, wow, what is it? And you said, because her, I found out that her parents are getting a divorce. And 
at, in like second grade, that's insight. That is crazy like insight that you shouldn't have. Um, and then another time you were playing softball and uh, one of your team uh, got the ball, I think, hit to them and it kind of hit them and it bounced off and then they didn't make the play. And um, you were pitching and the little girl that got hit with the ball didn't make the play and she, I could see that she felt bad, but she was kind of hurt too and she started to cry. And you were just about to do the windup and you stopped the windup, set the ball down and walked over and just gave her a hug. And all the parents out there are thinking, I want my kid to hit a home run. And I was like, that is the home, that's the grand slam for me. My daughter walking over and being able to do that. Where do you think this insight and that kindness in your heart came from? Um, I don't know. I've kind of, like, when I talk about being nice, I feel, like, really bad. Because I almost feel like I'm bragging about myself. But, like, when I feel like I've had this, like, like, what would you? what you call it like empathy towards people and like I can't like I don't know exactly what they're going through but like I'll try and understand to the point where like like if they want to talk to me about it then I'll be like oh yeah like I get that I guess or like I like always want to be like that friend that like they can come and talk to about like an issue about like whatever because I don't know like when I was like younger I guess I didn't really have like a friend that I could like talk to about it like I didn't have any like issues like my parents getting in a divorce or anything but I just like I didn't really have anyone to like necessarily like talk to about like major issues so I'd be like okay I need to be that friend for someone else where did that where did that come from I mean, because I think a lot of times parents are like, oh, I need to I need to build my kid into the kid that I want him to be. And it's like most of the things that I find and when we talk, most of the things that I want to impart or I want to do the example, you're just watching. You're not it's not like from a sit down at the table. You've never come to me and been like, Dad, we sat down at the table that one time. And you told me this thing and then that changed my life. It never has been that way. It's always been you observing and watching. Right. So what are some of the things that you've picked up on uh, through, like, watching your mom? Whether, you know, and this is a good one because mom needs to hear how much you love her, right? And so what do you see in your mama that has helped you to be able to have that empathy, to be able to have that, uh, you know, connection point with people and, and that kindness in your heart? I guess, like, for, like, both my parents, but, like, specifically my mom, like, she's never really, like, cared, like, what you look like or who you are or where you come from, she will, like, always be there for you, and she'll always, like, she'll make sure that you, like, feel good and that you're okay. Where have you seen this? Where have you seen it specifically? Like, you know, because that, that would be more of a generalization. When have you seen, like, I saw this happen with my mom, and she did X, and it really, I mean, it really hit me. Um... I don't, I don't really know. Like, I feel like there's so many instances where she's just done, like, little things, and it, like, builds up to make, like, whoa, like, my mom's a good person. And I think... What's one of those things with you? One is, what's one of the things that maybe you don't celebrate your mom about, but is a little thing that just meant a lot to you, and it just, it built, and it grew from that point? Um, 
mom like makes dinner a lot and I like food. <laughs> so <laughs> like when she comes back, she'll go to work at like six in the morning before I get to school and then I'll come back and she'll be like she'll work till like six thirty, seven o'clock and she'll just come home and she'll make us dinner and like we'll all be like mad and like we didn't do anything that day, like um like she'll be like, McKenna, can you walk the dog? And we're always like, No, like I don't want to <laughs> Or, like, Maddox, can you do the dishes or whatever? And everyone's like, no, like, we don't want to do that. But she just goes ahead and do it, does it anyway because, like, she just, like, she doesn't – I don't know how to describe it. She just, like – she's just there for everyone, even, like, if they're not necessarily not, – not, not there for, their, for her, but, like, they're not – doing anything for her yeah and she doesn't like expect anything in return like if she made dinner one night then she won't be like oh i made dinner last night like go and make dinner now like she just does it because she cares and she wants us to eat (laughs) if you were talking to to the parents or even just talking to me about what are some of the things that a parent can do to be able to create more of a connection with their 13-year-old daughter? Mm, I guess just, like, talking to them communication-wise. But how do we talk to you? Like, what's the what's the best way? Because there's a difference between 13-year-old speak and 47-year-old speak. And you let me know this all the time. You're like, you're old, Dad. You're old. And if I use a word and it's out of context or it's a word that's cool to you, you're like... Right. So how can we get less and more open? How can we what can we do as parents to be able to communicate, um, whether it be through words, through actions, whatever it is? What do you wish that? Um, I don't I haven't really thought about that. I guess. Like I get like, as I was saying before, like communication like always talking to them like even if it's something small like what did you do at school today and then like I'll run through all my periods and what I did in each day and even something small like that and like being like oh like that's cool <laughs> like like just knowing that like someone cares and like that grows more trust and then they'll be more open with you and I think being more open grows a better like relationship what causes you to shut down? So in that situ- scenario, right? Hey, how was your day? What is something that um, uh, one of my friends, her name is Terry, she used to say ruined it, meaning that, you know, if her husband came home and he was like, how was your day? And then she started spouting it off. She started telling all the stuff and he was on his phone. She was like, ruined it. Like this moment, what, what is that ruined it that a lot of parents don't realize that they're ruining it? by doing these little tiny things? I guess, like, when you're talking about something and then they, like, change the subject or, like, like they're on their phone or they're, like, like they're not willing to listen. Like, How do you know that like, someone is listening? Even if it's, like, subconscious, I guess. Like, like, if I'm talking to you and you, like, check your phone, even for, like, a quick second, like, it makes me feel like you're bored. Mm. You don't want to listen. Like, this isn't important to me, so, like, why should I care? So how, like, 
how important is it for you to find – this is a thing that I want to transition into because, you know, sports, you went and did it, and you, and you had some fun, but you never really jumped up and down about it. You fought us a lot to go to practice at times. You did want to play flag football, and you had some fun. Um, there was some challenges because sometimes you wouldn't have enough people to be able to play. Um, but it seems like you found your thing with drama, like acting, um, you know, writing – uh, you want to produce, you want to do these things. How important is it to find your thing? I think, like, I, I've i played soccer, and I I did softball for a while. And I think, like, I never really cared about the sport, whether I was good at it or not. And I just wanted to, like, make friends, and I wanted to, like, have friends, I guess. Um, and, like... I guess as I got older, it became more and more competitive, and people, like, cared if we won or, like... Like, I cared if we won because I didn't want us to lose. But, like, they only care cared about winning, and they were at, like... They had their extra practices, and they're, like... They were going to play in college or... And, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I just didn't care enough to the point where, like, we couldn't connect anymore because that was their entire life, and I wanted something, like different and like it's always good to have like eclectic friends where you don't always like the same thing but like when you're in something that like everyone likes then it's like you almost feel like left out so in sixth grade I did wheel as my elective and that's what that was computer science drama art I think and I did three I think there was like seven but um so First grading period, so there's three grading periods. And I had first grading period, I had art, and I didn't really like that. But plus it was all online. Um, second grading period, I had computer science, which I, no, I don't like that. And third period, or third grading period, I had drama. And that was the time that, like, we went back into schools wearing masks. And I met my drama teacher, Miss Shuck, and, well, not anymore. She teaches at Carlsbad now. But, um, like, she was online at the time, so she would be on Zoom and we'd all be in the classroom. And even, like, sh like she was kind of, like, my influence to do drama because, like, we'd do all these things, whether they were, like, we do, like, what did we do? Um, we did Alice in Wonderland. We did, like, like a small like excerpt of Alice in Wonderland. And she made sure that every single person in that class like knew that like they were important and gave them criticism, but like not in like a mean way, more in like a here's how you can improve, take that how you want to. And I think like that influence, like I don't think if it was a, a different teacher, I don't know if I would have done drama in seventh grade. So, but like, in seventh grade, it became, like, a bigger deal to me, and I needed, like, I noticed, like, this is my thing. Like, I like the people I'm around. I love the teacher. Like, I think I could do this, like, long term. And I think, like, I noticed how, like, my, the softball girls felt as they became more competitive, where, like, this was their thing, and they wanted to do that all the time. So... When you get into it, what do you want to do? You want to do you want to act first? You want to direct first? You want to write first? What do you want to do? Um, you know, I don't really know. I think like 
I'd want to act first so that I know, like, I've been around people who've been doing it for much longer than I have. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I've always had, like, a connection with drama and English because those have always been, like, my best grades and, like, social studies, but I don't want to be, like, a social studies teacher. But, um, like... I've always liked English, and I've always loved writing. Like, when I was, like, tiny, I used to, like, make up random stories about the automatic house. and like It was automatic. Oh, the automatic house. (laughs) 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 Um, And, like, I always had, like, this big imagination, and I was always, like, writing stories, and that was, like, my favorite thing to do in, like, when I was younger. And now, like, that I was in middle school and we were getting better at writing and we were expanding our writing, I was like, okay, this this might be my thing. And, like, I think as I, like, I found, like, I think it was in March of 2020, I think, I started watching Stranger Things. And that's where I, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I got, like, it, it became it became an obsession, an obsession to say the least. And I think as I was stalking the <laughs> actors, like, um, like I'd noticed that, like, um, how they all were, like, normal kids before and how, like, they grew and grew into, like, these, like, bigger actors and actresses. And, like, like Finn Wolfhard, he's a, a director and a producer and, he'd sing and he's, like, a music writer. Or, like, Sadie Sink was on Broadway as Annie, and then she became, like, a bigger actress as, like, her, like, life continued. And I was like, okay, that's really cool. And I just, like, as I continued to watch, like, different genres of movies, like, I noticed, I noticed, like, smaller things, and I'd be like, okay, like, like, um... I don't know, like at like different cinematography things, like, oh, that angle's really good, or like, I like the way that she said that line, or just smaller things like that. And I've always like, and in like in drama, I've always been like a I need to be the boss, and I'm really bossy, but I like hate bossy people, <laughs> so I'm kind of a hypocrite that way. But like, I like I'm always telling people to do, and I always have a vision of what I want to do. And, like, if I if they don't, like, do that vision, then I just get really frustrated with myself. Uh-huh. I'm like, ugh. like, we were doing, like, greater tuna for competition. And, like, even smaller things, like, uh, one of the kids in my class, he's, like, he says the first line. And so there's two people sitting down in chairs. And then I was like, okay, Kit, you can stand behind the two people, say your line, and once you're done, you put your head down. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I was like, yes, yes, you are. And he was like, well, we did it last year, and we're going to do it the way that I want to do it. And I was like, no, no, you're not. And we ended up doing it the way that he wanted to do because I just gave in. But, like, I always, I feel like directing, I don't even really know what a producer does, but, like, <laughs> like you'll be like, McKenna produced this podcast. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't think but anyone knows what it means. But, like, directing, writing. And then I'd, like, I'd like read things, and I'd be like, wow, they make a lot of money. So so how much does money factor into it at, at 13 years old? Because, you know, they tell, like, people will tell us, 
all the time. Don't follow your, don't follow the money, follow your passion. But also too, I mean, you're 13 years old, you know, you, you say you'll see something and you'll be like, that person's rich. Um, so how, like when you're thinking about what you want to do in life, and I'm not saying that you have to make that decision now because at 13 years old, I mean, you should live your life and have a great time, but how much does money come in, into the, uh, like as, uh, how much is it uh, of a factor? I think like a lot of people will be like, um, you need to find your passion. Like it doesn't even matter. Like if you don't make that much money, like you'll be happy, like you'll be happier if you like do what you love and you don't make that much money rather than like if you do something you hate and you make a lot of money. And I think like that's wrong and right in the same way because as a 13 year old, I would say like if you're doing what you love and you're like struggling with money, then that's not going to make you necessarily happy. I would say um, as a person who lives in Southern California, like, I guess it's never, like, money has never really been an issue, um, that I've noticed, and, like... That she's noticed. (laughs) 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 But, like, I think finding that balance of something that you like and not something that you can, like, oh, like, I can withstand this, like... Um, like, my backup plan, like, if I don't become an actor or an actress or, like, that just doesn't work out and I just don't want to do that, then I'm going to be a lawyer because I can, like, I can withstand being a lawyer <laughs> and they make a lot of money. <laughs> so Uncle Rob. <laughs> yeah, I can just be Cardina's law group. Yes. So how much, uh, like, we've I've always wanted to make sure that you get exposed to certain things, right? And... You know, for you to, like, say with Kids Bob, I wanted you to get exposed to Isaiah. Like, I know he was your favorite and all the stuff. And I wasn't trying to expose you to him like, oh, you should, you know, holler at him. I don't want him to be your boyfriend. Um, But I wanted you to be exposed to him. I want you to, like the Stranger Things stuff, I wanted you to go and meet the actors because I want you to see that they're people. Has this had a positive effect on you, a negative effect on you, or no effect at all? I think what I've, like, noticing, like, because every person that, like, I've, like, really liked, I guess, you've let me meet them in a way. Like, you always find a way to make that happen. Like, when I was, like, nine, it was, like, nine or ten, I met Isaiah, and... Who's Isaiah? Isaiah's a Kids Bop kid, and I was, like, we went to a Kids Bop concert, I think I was, like, eight years old. And I, like, he's my favorite. I was like, yes, yes. My eight-year-old self was, like, in love with him. But it's okay. Um, <laughs> kind of exposing myself right now. That's okay. But it's okay. Um, but, like, meeting him, like, you just notice that they're, like, they're normal people. Or, like, um, the first, like, celebrity I met was Finn Wolfhard. And that was on, like, a Zoom call. I think it's called Famia. Mm-hmm. And, like, just, I guess, like, then I couldn't really tell, but it was, like, a two-minute call, and, like, he's, like, a normal person. Like, he was sitting in his girlfriend's bed. Like, he's just normal. He's not, like, it, it was almost weird. Like, or, like, when I went to StrangerCon, like, I saw, like, who did I say? I saw Dacre Montgomery, um, Noah Schnapp, 
Dayton Monrazo, and, like, a few other people. But, like, being there, like, and seeing them, like, you just know that they're, like, normal people. Like, especially Gaten. Like, Gaten was so nice to everyone. And he was, like, he was just, like, like, meeting that person almost gives you, like, this, like, oh, they're normal people. Like, it gives you, like, a new respect for them as a person as well as, like, the character they play. Like, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, but, like, if, I think people need to, like, or, no, I was in line, and it was the day that we met Noah Schnapp, and I was behind this group of maybe, like, four or five girls, and they were, like, s- they just got their autograph by Noah Schnapp, and we were waiting in the line for, I think it was Dacre Montgomery, who plays Billy, and, like, they were squealing, and they were just, like, so excited, and they're, like, oh, my gosh, he looked at me, like, he, I saw the way he was looking at me, like, his eyes glisten, like, he's in love with me, and I was, like, oh, uh-huh. I don't, like, it's, it's almost that they, like, don't realize that they're normal people, and I feel like knowing that, it's made it easier, I guess, like, not easier, but, like, it's made me, like, understand that, like, no matter, like, if you're super famous, you're just a normal person, and they're just like you, and, like, yeah, like, I've never really understood why, like, people will, like, uh, like, how do I say it? Like, they've just, like, I guess I had, like, an obsession, but I think, like, I was obsessed with the character. I wasn't really, like, the actor, because I knew that the actor was a normal person, and that, like, like, seeing Noah Schnapp, like, Noah Schnapp's in college now, and he's just a normal person, and, like, people were, like, freaking out, and they're, like, my gosh, he's going to parties, and he's drinking, and I was, like, he's in college, like, (laughs) I think most every college student is doing that, and you wouldn't have done it, you wouldn't have said something like that over, like, a normal, like, teenager. So, let's go into that part, which is, uh, you're at 13 years old, you're in eighth grade. We talk about it, and I want to be open with you, because I know that drugs and alcohol is going to start to come around. It's probably, I mean, it's already happening in eighth grade right now. And it's not like we're shouting people out or whatever it is, but it's happening. How can I, as a father, like, I would prefer that you didn't struggle with those things, right? They're readily available. Drugs are readily available. If you wanted them, you could get them. Some of your friends, as you move forward, are going to do them. And... What can I do as a father to be able to, I don't know. I know that I can't stop it, but how could I (laughs) maybe soften the blow so, you know, you don't go down that road? I think, like, there's nothing necessarily that, like, you can do. I think a lot of the time when people are, like, struggling, like, they turn to, like, drugs and alcohol or, like, they think it's cool. And, like, like, drinking alcohol isn't, like, it won't make you feel better. It, and like doing drugs like it's it, it doesn't make you feel any better and like i guess like me i know my self worth and i know that i don't need those things to make me feel good and make me feel better about myself and i think that's really important what about what about with the boys right and this is something that you're going to get you're going to get a little blushing and stuff like that and talking with your dad about boys but Probably a dad's largest fear, 
I mean, well, there's two of them. Number one is alcohol and drugs, right? Going down that road. And if your daughter or your son is struggling, um, you know, it, I'm not judging it. I'm just saying, like, you know, the communication is, is massive, but it's a fear. And the second fear is is the opposite sex, right? As you're a 13-year-old girl, you don't look like a 13-year-old girl. As you guys can see, you look like a woman. Um, you are a woman. And the other fear is that you just hang out with knucklehead boys that don't treat you well. And But there's the flip side of it that a, a dad becomes so protective that he won't allow his daughter to talk to anybody. And then she goes after the boys that he said not to just to make sure that she shows him that she can. Help You, you help me with the first fear a little bit. We'll go more into that one. What about the second fear of you dating knucklehead boys that aren't going to treat you well? I think like it's it's I think it's a psychology thing like um like I'll use like an example like if I'm gonna go do the dishes and then you're like oh McKenna can you go do the dishes I'm not gonna want to do it anymore because you asked me to and like (laughs) (laughs) hold on hold on so I I can't ask you to do the dishes no like I it just like ruins it for me like I wanted to do it by myself and like now I I don't want to do it anymore okay all right all right but like if you're like uh like if you hang out with a boy and then your dad's like I don't like him he's annoying or like he's a knucklehead like I hate him or I don't hate him but like he's just not good for you then you're gonna be like oh uh, I'm probably gonna go still hang out with him you know and I think like I think you need to, I think people my age, or like teenagers, I guess, they need to like notice what's like, um, like what's good and what's bad. And I think like the more that you hang out with people that you like don't necessarily, like people that are different from you. Like if I was to hang out with people who do drugs, then like I'll know like I don't want to hang out with people like that and I don't want to date boys like that or I don't I wouldn't want to do that because I don't want to end up like them and like if I hung out with like a boy that was really nice then I'll be like oh okay like so how can we navigate it because from a dad standpoint if I see a boy that I think is bad news what do I do do I just back off and just you know, ask you questions or do I tell you like that's bad news? Because if I say it's bad news, like you said, the dishes, it'll cause you to want to go and hang with the bad news boy. And I don't want you to hang with the bad news boy, but what do I say? What do I do? What do parents do to be able to communicate with a 13 year old to help them to understand that I care about you? I love you. And I just don't want you to go down that road. Um, I'd say like, like you ask me when I hang out with different boys, you'll like, you'll be like, why do you hang out with them? And, like, why do I hang out with them? Oh, well, they're nice, and they do this and this and this. But, like, once you get, like, stumped and you're like, I don't really know why I hang out with this person. Like, they're not necessarily, like, a good human being. Like, I don't really know. Like, it makes you, like, like you can't control who your kids are friends with. But, like, I don't know. Like, I guess telling them your concern without like ordering them not to hang out with them like if you were like you know like this kid did this or yeah like this kid seems like a knucklehead like he is talking to other girls and he's kind of a jerk 
like you saying your concern instead of being like, don't hang out with him. He does this and this and this. Okay. Now, how how about when you are, when you move it too, you can hear yourself in it. Oh. It's okay. It's all right. Um, so what about, you know, how do you know when something's wrong for you then? Because parents watch it a lot of times and they're like, oh, they just, they started hanging out with these people. They didn't realize it. And before, before they knew it, they were into drugs. They were into alcohol. They were into the wrong crowd. How can we as parents prepare you to, to be able to see that? Or is there even a preparation that we can do or things that we can do to be able to help you? Or do we just like throw caution to the wind as parents? Um, I think like knowing that you can't control what your kids do, I guess like, I guess coming from a kid is kind of biased, but like knowing that you can't like control that and that like, that's their decision. And I think like, like if they're keeping it a secret from you, like obviously something happened. And like I was saying before, like you need to like talk to them, like so what would be the easiest way to open up that communication today? Like right now, actionable items for a parent. Your kid gets home from school today. What do you do to start to open that communication? Now, and I know it's not going to be perfect right off the bat. So if you've been struggling and you, you haven't communicated with your, your child in a while, for you to roll into their room and just be like, hey, tell me everything. That's a lot. But what little steps can we take today as parents to be able to make that happen? I guess, like, when you ask your kid, like, how was your day? And they just, like, saying something like, oh, it was okay. Or, like, oh, it was great. Or, like, like what happened today? Like, what happened that made it okay? Or what happened that made it great? And just starting with those, like, little things, like, that becoming a routine where they're telling you little things about your day, then that can build trust. And then they'll be like, oh well, then this happened today, and then it becomes, like, because I think a lot of the time, like, people will leave out what happened, like, I don't know, like, if something stupid happened with, like, one of your friends, like, I think a lot of the time, like, you just don't tell you, don't tell other people, and, or, like, your parents, you just don't tell them, and I think, like, as you, like, progressively, like, talk to them little by little, then it will become, like, a routine where, like, okay, I can talk to them. Like, not about everything, because they're not, probably not, like, they'll probably tell you 75% of their life. But I think the other part, like, like, even the most open people with their parents don't tell their parents everything. What don't you tell your parents at 13 years old? Um, I would just be telling you right now. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What are you embarrassed to tell your parents about? What are you embarrassed to tell me about? Mm, I don't know. Like, if something, like, came up at school and, like, um, I don't know. <laughs> what about, and we'll, we'll get this out of you. Don't worry. I'm going to pull it out of you. Um, let's go, let's go back in time. Let's go back to the pandemic time. Um, 
you know, is like 2020, uh, 2020, 2021. What did kids at your age, because you were in fifth grade, uh, halfway through your fifth grade year, you went, uh, you went there and then into sixth grade and almost into seventh grade. Like it, there was a lot that, you know, there was transitions. What did kids experience at that time that, that adults didn't realize? Um, I think it was a lot of like noticing like yourself, like, um, in that time, like you have a lot of time to yourself and you're alone a lot and you're with like these, like you're with your parents and you're with your family and like you just have a lot of this time to yourself where you're just kind of like in your thoughts and I think, like, it can either be a good thing where you're, like, oh, I'm super self-aware now, or it can be, like, a bad thing, like, or not necessarily a bad thing, but, like, um, I don't know, like, you, like, I don't even know. <laughs> what about the, uh, let's, let's talk about this because I think a, a lot of times people don't understand. So I'm going to give you some terms, and then I want you to explain them to me. Okay. But I want you to explain them to me. So I can, I can understand, so talk to me in my language, um, because there's terms that we don't understand. A furry. A furry? We hear this all the time. A furry. This person's a furry. I don't know what that is as a parent. Are you, like, whenever you ask, like, what something means, like, what like you, heard, you heard Maddox say, like, cap, and you're like, what does that stand for? Yeah. Like, I think a lot of the time, like, it doesn't, like, there's, n- it doesn't stand for anything. Like, people just, like, don't really think of that. Like, at no your really age, knows. at your age, like you're a not furry. Like a furry is someone who like, I like identifies as an animal, and they will like dress up as an animal, and they like think they are an animal. Like really think they're an animal, like bark at you and not talk in regular words, or is this a funny thing of like that person's a furry, um, or do they actually it's, think it's they're both. a dog? It's both, because it's like it's sparked from people who were furries. And then, like, so people who would, like, dress up like an animal and, like, they'd, like, think they're a dog and then, or some sort of animal. And then, like, you, like, something would happen to school and you'd be like, oh, my gosh, you're such a furry. Okay. So it's it's more of a, a like a. It's more of, like, a insult. It's like <laughs> an insult. Okay. So help me to with, like. We've talked about this, the compare and contrast. Uh, you talked about Stranger Things. The drama has really turned the light on for you. It seems like you want to go. Like you got practice, you know, you got practice for Beauty and the Beast. We're raising money right now for your uh, a spring musical. We don't know what it is yet. Mrs. Anderson, you better tell us what it is. We get to find out this month. Is okay, what she said, good. So, so um, contrast with Stranger Things, season one, season two, season three, season four. Favorites, comments, what you got? Okay. Um, we'll, like, run through them. Okay. So season one, like, if you haven't watched it, then go watch it, I guess. But so see, in season one, they address their characters, and they're, like, group of 12-year-old boys, and one of them goes missing, and then they find a girl in a w- the woods with superpowers, and then there's, like, like... They have, like, they play this game called Dungeons and Dragons. Everyone out there listening knows what that is. It's funny because it's new to you. 
what are some of the things too that like when you're seeing it which one is your favorite season of, of Stranger Things I would say season two is my favorite why I think a lot of people don't like season two because like there was a part where like Eleven met her sister in Chicago and people were like that's so dumb like why would you put that in like she did nothing with the plot but like honestly it's my favorite season like I love the theme because it's like Halloween theme okay and then a little bit of Christmas, I think. That was when Ghostbusters was yeah. on there. Yeah. I loved it. A little bit of Ghostbusters. Kay. And it was like, I don't know, like they introduced newer characters. And I just liked the storyline of that one because it was like, because they didn't, I don't think they even knew that they were going to have a second season. Okay. So they were like, they kind of just like pulled out this idea. And I think it really flowed with season one. I liked season three a lot. I've rewatched season three probably the most. How many times? Like a lot. How many? I I have. How many is a lot? Like just a lot. Um, I haven't really counted. Ten. No, like more than that. Twenty. Probably. Forty. <laughs> no, I actually don't know. It's it's a lot. It's a okay. Lot. But um, I like that one. I think they like really tried to like influence like the eighties theme and like the eighties music, and yeah. I think like that brought in a lot of different audiences. Um, season four was like really scary. Like yeah kind of freaky i didn't like it as much i think that they like they had this bigger budget and they like used it in a different way like they kind of like i've saw people compare it to like the conjuring okay and like how it was more of a horror movie than a lovable little 80s show which i think in comparison to like season three was kind of odd how can you how, like and let's talk on that because how can you as you go, it w a lot of times when you don't have a lot of resources, right, you have to be creative. When you don't have much in your room, you have to get a piece of paper and you have to draw or you have to make up things or do whatever. Sometimes money um, doles our creativity. Have you seen this happen? Where, like you just said, that Stranger Things had a bigger budget. So it didn't seem like they were as creative as I they think, were in the I first season. I think they definitely were creative, but I think they've had this, like, how they wanted it to end since the beginning. And I think, like, it was kind of, like, off track. So I'm not saying it's... Because it was really good. Like, acting was good. The storyline was good. It was just, like, the way that they executed it was, like, completely different, which doesn't mean it's a bad thing, doesn't mean it's a good thing. But, like, it just, like, when you were watching it, because I, like, woke up at, like, 3 in the morning. No, I was it was, like, 1 in the morning. I watched it at, like, 1 in the morning when it came out. And, like, it just didn't feel like Stranger Things. It felt like, like a horror movie. And I think, like, I don't know. Like, it, like, knowing that it was coming, like, the show or the new season, I knew that it was going to be different, and I knew that it was going to be, like I felt like it wasn't gonna be the same, but I didn't know that it like wasn't gonna be like exactly the same. So so let's talk about getting in trouble, right? And getting in trouble is probably the scariest thing in the world for like especially an eighth, not seventh, sixth grade. You know, getting in trouble is a big is a big thing. We could get in trouble today. Um, I'm probably gonna get in trouble. Can you tell the audience why I'm going to get in trouble? Um, I didn't want to go to school today, so instead of going to school, I'm here. Okay, and so I'm probably going to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> I noticed a difference in your light 
last night when we were talking and you were really, really down. And then you were saying like, Hey, can I take a day? And I said, I'm, I'm all right with that. And there was something that changed. What changed? Like, what do you mean? I could see a difference in you. Like that. I was getting school offered. Like, I don't know. I mean, was that, is that, was that the thing or is it, you know, is it validation? What is, what is that? Because I noticed a shift. I noticed a shift in, in attitude. I noticed a shift in, you know, in your, in your countenance. I noticed a shift in your light. And as a parent and as a dad, like when I see the light turn on, like when I saw you with drama, I saw you act, I saw you turn on, like your light went bright as could be. Right. And it's something that I, I wanted to make sure and facilitate as much as possible. I don't want to smother it, but I want to facilitate it. How do I know when to push on the gas and try and create every opportunity and when to back off? And what was the shift? Like, what was the shift last night? Was it the fact that you just really, you're that happy that you didn't go to school or what? I think, like, I wanted to, I didn't want to go to school. And then, like, I didn't actually think you wouldn't, like, I thought that I was going to have to go to school today. And, like, just, like, you saying, like, okay. Like, I was like, what? Like, I didn't, I honestly didn't think that you were going to say that I could stay home. What does it do? What does it do for you? Does it do anything? Does it, uh, I mean, or is it just like, hey, yeah, I can work dad and get him to uh, get me a day off? Um... Like, I just, I didn't want to go to school today, and I think, like, just knowing that, like, I didn't have to was, like, a good feeling, and I think, like, any person would feel like that. Like, if you asked, like, not go to work, and then you were just like, oh, okay, yeah, you don't have to go to work. What do you think is possible? Mm, I think a lot of people would say anything is possible, but I think... Anything, everything is possible that is reasonable. So if I, like, I know that nothing that, like, I want to come true, like, I know that I can't just, like, have that handed to me. I need to, like, work for that. Like, before I got my e-bike, I had to get, $700, Seven hundred dollars, I think. Seven fifty. Seven fifty, and I didn't want to work for that. And then once I got it, and once it was handed to me, then I was like, like, it almost, it, it didn't feel as good because I didn't work for it. Like I'm so glad that I got the bike, but like I knew that I had to like work for this bike, and it was just give like given to me. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So how how can a parent uh, help you to understand work ethic without being, I mean, because there's the militant side, right? So you knew Campa is this loving, take you anywhere, make sure your feelings were good. I knew a guy named Dad, and Dad was like, you know, you're mowing three lawns a day, you're doing X. So how can you find the healthy balance between those as far as like, as a father, I want to give you every single thing that I didn't have, Right. But a lot of times that can hurt you. How can I instill work ethic in you without being a drill sergeant in your life? 
Um, I think like a healthy balance between both. So not like giving me everything that I ask for and like kind of having me work for that. Like, um, like not just having it handed to me, but then also like also having like the willingness to be like, I like you can get it if X happens. So like if like mom was like, do the dishes and I'll give you five dollars. Then like I'll do the dishes for the five dollars and then five more dollars to get to my seven hundred and fifty dollars. How how uh how has it impacted you if if any way how has it impacted you that your parents don't have traditional work? Um, I think I've, like, known that for, like, a really long time, that, like, my parents' job wasn't, like, everyone else's parents' nine-to-five, like, office job. And I think I, like, really took that for granted because I think, like, a lot of people would be like, wow, like, your parents are hairstylists? Like, that's so cool. Like, I literally had this one girl that I have never talked to ever come up to me, and she was like, oh, I heard your parents are hairstylists. Like, that's so cool. And I was like, yeah. Like, I never, like, I guess I never really, like, thought it was super cool because it was just so normalized. And, like, I think, I, I guess it never, like, negative, it never negatively impacted me at all. But, like, I guess, like, positive on like the positive side i got a lot of free haircuts <laughs> what what do you wish like your grandparents like talk to your grandparents so you got you got grandpa and grandma you got nanny and uh, uh grandpa lika um it, what what would you say to them what were some what are some of the things that they've been able to give you that i mean i'm not talking about material stuff but you know lessons and things like that that you picked up on that maybe they don't even realize that they were able to impact you i think I got my humor from Grandpa because I vividly remember this. Um, I think it was, like, eight. Um, it was, like, all my cousins from my mom's side were over at his house, and everyone else, like, all the parents were going hiking, and he, like, doesn't, like, if he doesn't want to do something, he just doesn't do it. So, like, um, I was, like, er, there was these creamsicle popsicles in the freezer, and we were like, okay, someone has to go ask Grandpa because he was, like, mowing the lawn or something. And, um, like, I've told this story so many times. But, like, the two oldest, which was Devin and Braylon, they went over to my grandpa in the garage and was like, can we have, like, can we have the cream popsicles in the freezer? And he was like, I don't care as long as you don't, I'm just here to make sure you don't fall in the canal. And, like, I think, like, that, like, sarcastic humor has, like, stuck with me for, like, a lot of my life. And I think from what I heard from him, it comes from my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think, like, they were asking me if I wanted to go bowling. And I was like, no, like, I don't want to go bowling. And he was like, okay, Brooke. (laughs) (laughs) What about about your nanny? Um, I think my nanny, like... She cares about so many people, like, so much. Like, she's kind of, she's like my mom in that way, where, like, I guess mom's like her. But, like, 
you don't even have to like do anything for her and she will love you unconditionally and always be there for you and like always like she will just like do whatever you want like Whenever she comes here, she's always like, can we go to the beach? And me and Maddox are always like, no, because we hate the beach. We don't hate it, but we just don't want to go. And, like, she's like, okay, well, what do you guys want to do? Like, she's always so, like, empathetic to other people, and she's always there to take care of people. And, like, I think, like, when she moved out of her, like, Utah house and went to Washington, um she's always, like, asking us to come over, and it's, like, she doesn't have, like, anyone to take care of anymore, because she's away from her other family, because I think that's, like, so normalized for her, because she's just always taking care of other people. What do you wish that your mom knew about the great things that she's done in your life? Um, I guess she's, like... You guess... Well, I don't know. You're like asking me this on the spot. I don't know what to say. What uh, is some, what is something that you fought with your mom about, and then you sat in it and you realized like maybe I shouldn't have been that hard on her. Um, I had a crush on this boy, and I was like, I really like him, and she was like, No, you just like the idea of him, and I was like, No, I really like him, and like I'd liked him for a while, and she was just like, No, like he sucks, like s- like. He doesn't care. Like, he just, he hangs out with other girls. Like, he talks to you, and he talks to you the same way he talks to, like, his other friends that are girls. Like, he's, like, like, she was just, like, explaining to me how, like, he just, not, not that he wasn't a good person, just, like, that he wouldn't have been a good person for me. And after that, I was, like, I was, I, like, ran out of the room, and I was, like, no. Like, I'm not listening to you. Like, I, like, really like him. And, like, the next day, I was, like, no, he's stupid. Like, I don't like him anymore. Can you say into the microphone, Mom, you're right? Mom, you're right. (laughs) Mom will have that sound bite. She's just going to have it on a necklace and push it every every now and again as she goes. Um, Let's talk talk about your, I, I call him your best friend. Um, and, uh, my Grammy was really, really big on, uh, on this, uh, like one thing she was always saying that, you know, with uncle Rob and I like never let anything come between you. And I didn't realize the importance of it. And now I realize it as they're not, you know, now Grammy and camp are in heaven. And, um, and I realize it, I realize why it's so important. And I say this to you a lot and it kind of makes you like, okay, dad, you know, whatever, whatever. But I keep saying that, you know, like your bro is is your best friend and he's always going to be there. Can you speak to him because you really light him up, you know, and he had a rough time the other day. And if you're a parent, this is a, a public service announcement. If you're a parent out there and you're not telling your children to encourage people, no matter what they're wearing, the way that they look or anything like that. And you're not really encouraging that. I want you to start that. And I I generally don't put a charge out, but this was a situation that happened the other day. Maddox was so excited to be able to spend time with his sister. And Maddox is my son. He's 11 years old. He goes into the room, and, uh, and McKenna gave him a pair of pants. He was so excited. He was on top of the world. You remember it. 
He put on the pants. He was like, oh, yeah, he had new swag. He was ready. He went to school, and a bunch of kids were like, why you wear them dumb pants? And he came home, and he was so, like, his, his heart was hurt. And I wanted to go down to the school and just snatch up every one of those little kids. And not only snatch up the kids, but I wanted to take them home to their parents and help their parents to understand that the way in which your kid is acting is not okay. It's not okay to, to squash somebody's like excitement and enthusiasm. You should be encouraging people. And I got, I got fired up about it. I want to make a video that day, but I was too fiery about it. And I wanted to go at the parents. And I want to go, I, not go at the little kids. The little kids don't know any different. I think it's a product of their parents. And I think it's a product of the parents not encouraging them to have their own style, to wear what they want to wear, to do things. And if you're not doing that actively, please do that because it impacts other kids at school. Talk to your little bro bro right now and tell him the things that a lot of times you don't take the time to tell him, McKenna. Um, like, I think you and mom make it like a big, like, you make a big effort to talk to me about it. And you're always like, tell your brother, like, make sure your brother knows that you love him because he loves you. And I think, like, my love language hasn't, like, I don't know if it's ever been just like being super nice to people. Because I guess, like, when you're saying like this, the softball girl, like, I was showing her that I cared, but, like, when it comes to, like, people that, like, I truly love, like, my family, I will most likely not be super nice to them, and I think Maddox doesn't really, like, know that that's, like, not me trying to be a jerk and that I don't love him, because I remember one time, like, he saw a picture of, or picture or video, like, of when he was born, and, like, I was there, and I was really excited, because I had a brother, and he came up to me and he was like, wow, McKenna, you really did love me at some point. And I think, like, I didn't know. I guess, like, my parents tell me that, like, he doesn't really, like, understand how much I care about him. But I think, like, he needs to, like, I need to do my part to make sure that he knows. Because, like, as an older sibling, like, if he is being a jerk to me, like, I don't care as much because I, I'm older. And, like, he doesn't understand that, like, me teasing him in whatever way, like, that's me caring about him. Because he's only known, like, like, when people are mean to him, like, they're being mean. They're not, like, oh, like, funny, like, haha, like, we're best friends. Like, Maddox is, like, a, such a genuinely nice person and if, like, you've ever met him, like, you know that he, like, once he, you meet him, he's the most, like, respectful kid ever. And I don't think he, like, really understands that. And I think, like, you tell him, mom tells him. But, like, other than that, like, I don't think people actually tell him that, and he actually knows that. Can, can you look into the camera right over here? So look into the camera, and I want you to talk to Maddox. And I want you to give Maddox some advice. Okay. Um, Maddox. Um, like, when you came into my room the other day and you took my empires, you looked so cool. No matter what any of your friends said, you looked awesome because you were mechanified, first of all. 
Second of all, um, just know that people, what I've noticed as growing up, people who make fun of you are most of the time, like 99% of the time, just jealous of you. If the other 1%, they're just being jerks. But most of the time, that's just stigmatized by something else going on in their life. But, like, your friends who were being jerks to you or all the kids that were being jerks to you, they're just literally jealous that they can't rock the black empires like you could. Can you tell them you love him? Love you, Maddox. Look into the screen right there because uh, now I started the podcast because of you and Maddox, okay? And even though you don't listen to every episode, you don't, and I know you don't. And there's times where you don't read your letters. I, I write letters to you, you don't read them, okay? I understand this, I completely. But I started the podcast because of you and because of Maddox, and I wanted to take iconic people like you, and I wanted to show you that iconic people are not superheroes, and I don't want you to have idols in your life. I just simply want you to realize that they're people, and if they could do it and they have a great attitude, great work ethic, you could do it too. So I'm going to ask you to give advice to myself and mom because everyone gives advice to you. Even though there's episodes out there, how many episodes have you not listened to out of 217? 217. Okay. That means that she needs to start listening to the podcast because there's so many iconic people that are giving you advice by name. But I want you to give mom and I advice by name from McKenna. Like by mom and dad? Yeah, you say, don't say my first. I ain't <laughs> down. You know, you know how Campa would uh, do it. Campa ain't playing. I ain't playing with the first name. And if you're out there and you're a parent and you're letting some kids call you by the first name, I mean, seriously, you need to get smacked upside your head. Like, you, you do not, like, I don't think you address adults as, and, and I'm down, like, I know this is weird at times with your friends, but ain't nobody calling me by my first name. They're calling me Mr. C, Mr. Kelly, Mr. whatever. Right. That's what that's what the way it is. It, I think it's a respect thing. And I think that it starts there. But if you are a parent, honestly, before your kid comes to my house, you better tell them that's Mr. C or that's Mr. Cardenas. I ain't going for this. Call me by my first name stuff. Nobody. I don't care. Like and even with your cousins, I stop every one of your cousins. And I'm like, my name is Uncle Kelly. My name isn't just Kelly. Right. So that's my public service announcement. That's the old school. Get off my lawn moment for all of you out there. But honestly, teach your kids. It's a respect thing. Go ahead. Give advice to mom and dad. Like at Crumble Cookie, when um, one of my friends put in the order for Keep It Cool Mr. Cardenas. And, like, the lady said it once, and it was, like, this 16-year-old teen girl. And she was just like, um, Keep It Cool Mr. Cardenas. <laughs> <laughs> and you, like... Made her repeat it, like, just louder, and it was really funny. But, mom and dad, um, I think that you, hmm, you should appreciate us while we're younger, because um, uh, when I get to drive, I'll probably not be around as much. Um, I think you should... Like, um, acknowledge that I love my brother, because I do. 
Um, and I also think that um, you <laughs> should let me ride my e-bike by myself. You heard it first here with McKenna. And uh, McKenna, I, I love, I, I, I can't tell you. I mean, you could, I know you call me a Jesus hippie. Um, <laughs> But it's it's one of those things where you inspire me every single day. You light up my absolute world. And I just, I, I mean, I'm in awe of you all the time. And I watch you, and I watch your sarcastic humor, which I absolutely love. Um, I watch your care and your kindness. I do watch you at times try and cover that care and kindness. And you try and act like, oh, I've got this uh, hard outer shell. But it don't, it don't fool nobody. Your, your heart is absolutely phenomenal, the talent level that you have. Um, and what we talked about before, you know, that when you add hard work to talent, like no one can touch you. Talent can be overcome by hard work. But when you have the talent that you have and you have the hard work and the work ethic that you have, it can't be touched. I am going to ask you to get your grades up because you need to get your grades up. Okay. And that's not because I think that, oh, if you get an A, then I'll love you more. It's not that. It's just the fact that there's a couple tasks you need to do and do them. So then we could go have fun, right? I'm going I'm to get in trouble by mom because you're not at school right now and you're on the podcast. And she's going to hopefully listen. I don't know if she, she's probably not listened to 217 episodes also. As we finish today, um, even though you don't read the letters, have they had any impact on you? Um, I've read them at camp. Okay. Because I was really lonely, and I was kind of over all my Girl Scout friends. And I think I read them from, like, they were, like, a year ago. They were when I went at, when I went to camp in seventh grade. And I think they make me smile because, like, I know that you're there for me, even if it's in a letter and we're not, like, on FaceTime. How do you know that I love you? You tell me. Outside of me telling you that I love you, how do you know? Uh, I think you, like, express it in, like, ways. <laughs> As we finish up today, what do you want to tell your dad? Um, you should let me ride my e-bike by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Always trying to work the system. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I love you, McKenna. You're, you're a, an absolute inspiration. Um, and I'm sorry that I haven't had you on before, um, you know, onto the podcast before. So I want to thank you for being on. You have been absolutely phenomenal. Do you have any last words for these people out here? Donate to the AOMS drama department so we can have a musical and not blackout and stuff. Why is it so important? Why is it so important for people to support the performing arts? Um, I think like people take performing arts for granted. Um, thing whether it's band, orchestra, drama, whatever it is, um, and like like every time like you go and watch Netflix, like all those people have most likely been in a theater department at some point in their lives. And I think a lot of people, like, take that for granted. And if 
people were cutting off things like sports, I think a lot a lot of people would care a lot more. Mm. Like if they cut like PE, then it would become an issue and more people would be talking about it and more people would care about it. But since like you're not in drama, then it just seems like, oh, why would I care? Like, um, for whatever. But I think a lot of people use theater to express themselves in a way that they can't do in their normal life. And they can take that character and become that character in a way where they can relieve their problems and their stresses and everything that's going on around them and just be that person. McKenna, you've been absolutely phenomenal. I love you more than anything in the world. And you'll always ask me, am I the favorite? Am I the favorite? Am I the favorite? You're my favorite daughter of all time. And I love you more than you'll ever know. Your light shines so bright, and you're not going to ride your e-bike by yourself for a while. And you're officially off the hot seat. (laughs) 